Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Re- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Research at the Said Business School. I'm Jane Bloomfield, I'm Head of Business Development at Cantor. Today we're going to talk about creativity in advertising, in business, and, and perhaps also in society. And we're joined by Perry Nightingale, who is the Global Head of Creative AI for WPP. Perry, let's start out by talking about that job title. What does it mean? <laughs> I created that job title. I've created all my job titles for the last sort of eight or nine years, which is a sign, I think, that you know that that I'm creating a ro- you know creating roles in these organisations that didn't exist before, and that that's the case with this one. You know, I I think it's creative AI when I talk to you know people who work in the technology side of the industry who understands the capability of, the, of AI and also the capabilities it doesn't have. But sometimes with clients, I will say creativity and AI rather than creative AI to talk about those as a combination. We as an industry sit on this really interesting front line, I guess, of automation. So two of the world's largest businesses, Facebook and Google, making the vast proportion of their revenue from digital media products that are, you know, technology driven, AI driven by both of those businesses. They both have huge research departments for, for AI. And we, we associate those those companies um, with that with that technology. Um, and we still find that creativity is accounting for at least half, if not more, of the impact of those adverts. And those two organisations, I'm sure, would love to um, automate as much as it as they can. And, you know, ideologically, I would love the humans to play as big a role as possible. But also we find that practically they still play um, a huge role. So my job is to understand where that line is, to amplify the role of creativity human creativity wpp creativity within that and to make sure that if anyone disrupts us it's us 
And so what you talk about some of it's automated what sort of stuff is automated what fits in that bucket so the vast amount of data you know that we generate as a society as a societal level thing creates vast amounts of information about who we all are you know i'm sure buried in our data sets is is um things about you that you probably don't even realize yourself and you know we can use ai to find patterns in that data and we can also use that AI to to classify and to separate everyone into tiny little groups, uh, what they might call interest groups or, you know, those, those types of little clustering. And because of that, it means that we can now tailor advertising for those particular buckets. And that's extremely useful for conversion. Mm-hmm. I think it's very broad things about, you know, showing certain types of products to certain types of people. And, you know, obviously you want to show... You know, you might want to show medical products to a certain group of people. You might want to show cereal products to a certain group of people. And you're probably not going to, you know, probably do that on a very broad level. But we can also get extremely granular, even to the point that we don't even understand why there might be this tiny little community in Mexico that's really into Japanese progressive rock. Um, you know, and we, we even we even have campaigns that we've done with people like Spotify just, you know, just surfacing those amazing little anomalies. Who knew that? the biggest fans of Peter Rabbit are in suburbs outside Tokyo, right? It's just fascinating to understand that. We can craft advertising around those. But to do that, it means that we have to use automation because we estimate that in a few years, we're going to need 20 to 30,000 pieces of content for every product launch simply because of that targeting. And the average human can probably produce about 100. So automation of creative content is a two or $300 billion business today, and it will be a trillion dollar business in the next five, 10 years. I guess I could play devil's advocate and go, is that a good thing? Do we actually genuinely need that amount of content to to engage consumers and get them to, you know, either change their behaviour or buy more of a product that we might be advertising? Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, there are huge societal implications to that. You know, when you step back from that world and you go, what do we have here? We have information about people and we have society you know, analysing that and making small-scale decisions for people mm. based on what the, what, what the AI is seeing. And that has quietly embedded itself into our lives in, in enormous ways. I mean, probably when you look at BlackRock, when you look at uh, how the hedge funds operate or the quant funds, you can, you can probably say that AI is already managing a significant chunk. I mean, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent, who knows, of the global, you know, the global economy, global liquidity. Mm. So it has a huge role already in, in the economy, uh, which we probably saw a little bit in the crash uh, in 2008, this, this sort of weakness of our machines not to deal with new information. Like, you know, the, the weakness of these systems, one of the weaknesses of these systems is that they don't deal with new information very well. Right, so none of the algorithms that we had built up between sort of the late 90s and 2007 really had ever had to deal with a large scale event of any kind. And they were all based on what had been happening in the past. Yeah. Very efficient, very valuable, very effective, but not when new information comes in. Um, but there's also AI finding its way into our more day to day society. So particularly around recruitment, particularly around insurance, particularly around the types of interest rates you might get offered. We, we're moving out of where you know you traditionally get a lot of data and information like finance into areas like recruitment and law and order and justice. You know, you're seeing AI handling reoffending, uh, you know, whether people go to prison for reoffending and those types of things. And and absolutely they come with enormous implications. And and in fact my relationship that I've had with Oxford is a little bit around putting some of those things in front of um, academics early 
so that we understand mm. you know when you go back to the idea of, uh, is it a good thing for advertising you know part of the problem with creating advertising based on data you have around a person mm. is that steadily the advertising becomes more like that person right it's so, like it becomes homophily yeah do you know mm-hmm. what i mean and the end you know it sounds incredibly dystopian but like the end result of that is you just endlessly clicking a photo of your own face it's not like <laughs> you know clearly we don't want to live in a society where we click on photos of our own face and yet in small ways that is happening and yeah. netflix recently you know had a slight issue where they had been crafting promotional posters for film or selecting promotional posters from films based on their user profile mm-hmm. the user profiles in fact the ai had been doing that and it had been you know putting uh, posters of um, black supporting actors in front of the you know the black audience and that you know that that implied roles those um, leading roles those those stars didn't have and, and a number of people felt very uncomfortable one that they'd been targeted in that way and two about the implication that, that in some way was hiding the the lack of those roles for those yeah. you know for those those groups so we, we th- this is real it's happening now it's not yeah. it's not an academic thing yeah, and I think what you're talking about is whether, whether it's in advertising or digital content recommendations or it's, you know, law and order and sentencing and all that, all, like all of those different contexts. It's really sort of this data fueled AI powered sort of personalization. But as you're pointing out, that only personalizes to the extent that it thinks it knows what we want based on what we've done in the past or similar yeah. people have done in the past. So yeah. how do you break out of that? How do you sort of have that serendipity or that discovery you know, can can we train the machines to then put a shock into the system, so to speak, and give you something different? This is this is you know again on that front line, and, and I think justice is an interesting example to take it out of advertising for a second. You know, there's a system called Heart that that was a product in the U.S. for using AI to determine if someone is likely to reoffend, and you know it's come over to the U.K. It's actually it's used in Durham, I think, in the north of England, and a couple of other places. And if if you if you reoffend, if you've been a prisoner in the past, you reoffend. You, you effectively stand in front of an AI and it, it understands information about where you grew up, what your past defense was, you know, where you went to school, what your social, you know, what your sort of social economic background was, are you working, are you married? And it, and it looks through this information and then the machine ultimately will, will send you to prison or not. Mm-hmm. And the judge has the final say. So he will look at the readout from the AI or she will look at the readout from the AI and that might put someone in prison for five, ten years which is an enormous thing to do to mm. someone, mm-hmm. right? Like showing someone an advert for yeah. a free-bladed razor is one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sending someone to prison is a, is a significant, you know, a significant thing to hand over to a machine, to an algorithm. Mm-hmm. And the argument back from that is, and this is what I say in my presentations, that sends less people to prison, less black people to prison, and less people reoffend. Humans send people to prison when they're hungry. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a higher number of people sent down to jail immediately before lunchtime it's a it's a sort of flaw of our humanity that we that we have we have that type of weakness to to see for yourselves rather than other people but you know if you are a certain type of person who on paper and i would count myself in this in the recruitment space actually who on paper has made a lot of mistakes but in your eyes you're a good person the judge the the issue that they have is that the judge can can put someone to prison uh, and then if that if they made the wrong decision, nothing happens. If they let them go and they made the wrong decision and that person goes and mm-hmm. does something mm-hmm. terrible, then, you know, then, then obviously the, the judge, it comes back to the judge. And so what they find is that algorithmic uh, reoffending um, software biases against the people who, who may otherwise have been have gone free. 
And those are those outliers. Those are the people that the machines, uh, just like those outliers in the crash in 2008, that the machines don't see. Mm-hmm. And cre- creativity, this this role is, you know, thankfully has nothing to do with the justice system and a lot more to do <laughs> with selling razors and cheese. But like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still based on that system. How, how do we get um, groundbreaking campaigns that move the needle for our clients and still get this amazing efficiency and scale mm-hmm. from our machines? I think what you're also referring to there back with the sort of the justice example is trying to take bias out of the human decision process but then of course there's algorithmic bias that can creep in based on the training data and, and those sorts of things yeah so i think mm-hmm. there's that's another place we bring it back into advertising where it's probably valuable to have this sort of ai sitting on your shoulder so to speak to, to help with the process to avoid bias or you know unconscious bias for example is that really coming into play or is that still kind of off to the side yeah, it, it absolutely is. It, you know, we we are entrusted with the brand safety of almost all of the world's biggest businesses. And, you know, we I was in a meeting when I, fairly recently. We were talking to an AI company about brand safety. And Stefan Matorius is, um, you know, my boss CTO, said, you know, we launch nuclear missiles every day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> On behalf of our clients. You know, a single campaign that we put out could could destroy a client's reputation a single one Mm. in a single market Mm. actually you know a a campaign they may not escape for five or six years Um. i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From a reputation point of view. And an AI, you know, it goes back to that that anomaly about the, you know, about Peter Rabbit and Tokyo, which is true, by the way. That you don't necessarily, you don't see that this stuff is going on. So you might quietly be showing a certain group of people a certain type of advert and have no idea. And in fact, another issue we have out of this is that it surfaces people's own prejudices. It surfaces their own bias. We have two, bias problem in two ways. One, we have bias in the original data set where the labeling might have been biased. And that's absolutely an issue that we face. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, uh, you know, servicing other people's own prejudices in a way that they, they can then that can then resurface, right? And you know, we may find that if we have, you know, a product which is around business, you know, kind of business oriented products, and we're allowing the AI to create display advertising on the fly automatically, mm-hmm. we may find that over time those display ads begin to become uncomfortably, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uniform, and then and then we face brand governance issues around that as well as our own moral. You know, we want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of businesses, we, you know, we are not here to you know to create a future where we click on our own face we have to create a you know a future of successful companies that get their products out into the world and and that's what we do so 
tell me a little bit more about how, how it actually works in practice so often when i thought of ai or using technology within advertising you you tend to jump straight to media and sort of either programmatic or learned how are you pushing content out but from what you're talking about some of this is very much about the actual content itself so what is in the advert either is that messaging so you talked about faces uh, yeah. you know imagery how how are you doing that I have my role is split into three significant um, chunks. One of them is the Martech side, right? The programmatic media. How do we, you know, how do we get this short form content to be as creative and as effective as possible? And what and what can we tweak? Right. We know we can't use an AI at the minute to come up with an entire campaign idea. So what can we do around the edges? And that began with pricing actually and products right. so we would probably have the same idea but we would adjust what handset you might see and what price you might see for that handset again the, you know this this creates other you know other ethics and bias issues right. on the types of prices you show to people and how that's how that's being mm-hmm. done but the machine was doing that and then you know, and then we began to investigate changing using ai to change dominant colors and you know where, where different pieces were placed and that sort of moved into that area you know now we, we are suddenly handed a whole suite of groundbreaking tools to craft you know the facial expressions of the people and and what you know what type of people are in the ads and what the people are saying and we can lo- you know technologies that began as localization technologies where we'd use AI to, you know, have people say different stuff in different languages has now shifted to being, you know, really quite, quite kind of able to manipulate the entire image, mm. create whole new scenes. So now all of a sudden your car is driving through, you know, a scene, a, a mountain scene versus, you know, versus that. And so, so we use technologies in that sense to actually craft the ads themselves, mm. but we're still unable to use AI to come up with, you know, what, what is typically a social observation at the heart of the ad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the you know one other bucket is around consultancy and using creativity this is on a societal level i guess for some of our clients how do we you know these clients are moving into an ai and data driven world and what we what we are really brilliant at is lateral thinking and it's that negative space around the ai where you know we can kind of come in and say hey have you thought about deploying it in this way and that's where we see our creative agencies perhaps going in the future as they compete with extension deloitte and those types of businesses and then you know the hardest part of my job is around is around generating fame for our clients with AI-driven campaigns, where sometimes AI is the idea. People are really interested in in this topic. They're interested mm. in what the future is going to be like. They, you know, they probably are aware of some of these changes. I, I don't think, you know, ironically, I think while society is staring at robots and you know and, and Alexa and all of these types of things quietly for the last 10, 15 years, AI has been getting on with taking over aspects of our life that we don't see and that's going to continue to grow so i make stories uh, that talk about that why is it difficult to get that fame because you know you'd imagine as you say people are really really interested mm. in it and and it is progressing you know at a phenomenal rate so what what's holding that back do you think famous those yeah. everyone's is out of those three buckets yeah. like you know fame is the hardest out of those three I, I didn't, you know, I worked in a, in a digital business for sort of six or seven years. And then I went to Grey, which is, you know, a big traditional to a certain extent ad agency mm-hmm. where they make adverts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's uh, a very good one. <laughs> like I didn't, I never experienced, you know, what that was like. And it was, it was a completely new experience to do that with some quite surreal little moments. I remember Elon Musk had said that, 
we were all living in a simulation and I saw the next day, I mean, I'd seen it on the news, but I saw this this meeting go into my meeting, uh, into my calendars and it was, I wonder what, this is like eight or nine people. And I went in and they were all sat there and I sat down and they looked at me and they said, is it true? Are we living in a simulation? And I was like, <laughs> you know, it just, it was just such a surreal yes. moment. It was yeah. just like, what? Yes, and then you left. You know, but the, I've got had this huge, <laughs> this huge appreciation for how hard it is to create culture and fame. You know, you can you can do it in a provocative way. I mean, if you want to, you can go and chain yourself to Downing Street or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like to create famous work, to mm. understand how society is going to receive an idea is unbelievably difficult. We cannot we cannot train an AI to identify a hit song. We can look at genres to tell us, you know, what, what's likely to appear in the top ten, mm-hmm. but we can't predict what what's going to be number one in the same way that Netflix or you know HBO couldn't couldn't predict that you know what what teenage girls in Watford really wanted was a series about fantasy and dragons do you know what I mean like it completely <laughs> blew everyone's mind that that the the whole world had been waiting for you know for for Game of Thrones that 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 really stunned everybody and I think creativity is is that and it's actually the hardest part of, of what what I'm tasked to do so in terms of uh, brands who are maybe doing this really well sort of integrating AI uh, into what faces out to the world, so not sort of behind the scenes stuff, but but the stuff that consumers would would I guess give them credit for. You know, who's doing it well? I think the work we did on the NextGen brand was for ING with mm-hmm. Microsoft was was a, just a benchmark piece. I'll be mm-hmm. honest, between that and AlphaGo, mm-hmm. which was Google beating Go, those were those were the two big AI social observations of that period of time. And Google has unbelievable resources to deploy something like that. And their mm-hmm. technology was, you know, was was part of a 400 million euro acquisition or something like that, mm-hmm. DeepMind, and, you know, and a vastly bigger thing. You know, we probably built the next Rembrandt on a budget of about 80,000 euros, <laughs> you know, and a group of people who probably never done anything of the sort ever before. And so, you know, I, I think to make a statement about how AI would bring back these artists from the past was incredibly clever. I think even as a physical object, the next Rembrandt as a painting will probably increase in, in value to be worth an enormous amount. And to ING, it was mm. worth almost 14 million euros in, in publicity. And, mm. you know, so, so at the end of the day, we're tasked to grow our clients' businesses with, with storytelling in the creative agencies. Mm-hmm. So we took 80,000 euros of ING's um, you know, relative precious budget and mm. turned it into 14 million euros of business. And, and that's our job as a multiplier. Mm-hmm. I would check that out. I would look at next Rembrandt. You'll get the case study. That that to me is a, you know, is a story about how AI will enrich our lives. Are we all going to galleries mm-hmm. full of dead artists' work brought back by AI? No. <laughs> is it actually an official, you know, a, a convincing Rembrandt? No. You know, and and mm-hmm. they had experts. Clearly, there are people who spent their entire lives studying yeah. Rembrandt's work, and they came and said, "If you look at right into the brush strokes, you can see that this is just a mash of these different moments." Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact they're even accepting it on that level, yeah. and they've yeah. flown from various parts yeah. of the world to say that, is an astonishing achievement. Mm. What's interesting about the world I'm in is that 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 mm-hmm. stuff has value really only once, um, and creativity favors that. It favors the once. been listening to future proof for all episodes and more information visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com 
please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you.